Good morning everyone and welcome to our service this afternoon um, and to give a special welcome to anyone who's visiting with us and with that in mind we also welcome our uh, friends, our brothers and sisters from Moldova uh, and Pastor Alex will come up and uh, preach uh, later on the service uh, so I'm just going to sort of facilitate before that and then I'll be handing over to, uh, to Pastor Alex to preach. Uh, but let us begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm 100. Psalm 100 in the Scottish Psalter, and we'll sing the whole psalm starting from uh, the beginning. Uh, All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth, his praise foretell. Come ye before him and rejoice. We'll stand to sing to God's praise. unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father and Almighty God, we come into your presence in your own house, coming to worship you, the one true living God. We come to worship you, 
the one whose greatness we cannot comprehend, the one whose goodness and works and word are good and faithful and just, and that you are the Almighty. There are no other gods but you alone. And you are the Lord of creation. And we see that around us this beautiful morning. And we know you are the Lord and God of salvation also. We magnify your name, Lord. We magnify all your works and your word. And we express to you our thankfulness in all that you have done. And from our hearts we express our thanks for your Son, Christ, whom you sent uh, to die for our sins. For we know that you are a God of grace, of mercy, that your loving kindness and steadfast love endures from generation to generation. Because you, O God, are a faithful God. You are a covenant-keeping God. When you say something in your word, you keep your word. Uh, that we can rest upon these promises. We can have our hope and our trust in you. Because any alternative to this would be just trust in man and in ourselves. And we know how futile that is and how worthless that is. But instead we come to you, our faithful God, who is the same yesterday, today and forever. And Lord, we come again exalting you and your sovereignty over all things. We exalt your name because you are the one who is enthroned on high and knows all that is happening below here on earth. Whether it be kingdoms and nations, whether it be kings and queens, rulers, presidents, prime ministers, all are subject to your authority and are under you. We come to you as not only a sovereign God, but as a loving Heavenly Father also. You are the one who has demonstrated your love for us through the sending of your Son. And we know, Lord, that uh, you being a holy God, your word tells us that you are holy, holy, holy. And we ourselves are nothing like that. Even our best works, our most righteous works, are but filthy rags before you. And we need to come into your presence confessing our sin and seeking forgiveness. And we do that, Lord, we acknowledge our sin, not only as individuals, but also as a nation that has turned its back on you. We confess, Lord, that we have... Uh, done what is right in our own eyes and we see that uh, even our uh, governments and our rulers are declaring what is evil to be good and what is good to be evil. Lord we pray and we lament these things before you for we know that uh, your word preaches truth, your word contains life and it is uh, life everlasting and so we come with our own hearts burdened with sin we come confessing all that uh, comes from our hearts whether it be uh, evil thoughts slander, murder sexual immorality, impurity um, all these different sins Lord that attack us in different ways and at different times in our walk but instead Lord we desire 
to, to come before you to have these sins forgiven. And we know that because your word says they will be forgiven uh, if we repent. And so we do so. And we ask for your healing power. We know that sin and the consequences of sin are difficult to, to live with. Uh, but we know, Lord, that you free us from the bondage of that sin. And instead place us on a rock. That our heart is, n- is no longer um, cold, but it is instead uh, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, for that ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, sanctifying us, helping us to die more and more to sin and live more and more to righteousness. And we're thankful that you have given us Jesus as our example, but you have also given us a helper, the Holy Spirit, uh, to help us uh, in this work, which will be lifelong until one day we appear before you in glory. Only you, uh, only Jesus can take away our sin and we give thanks for that. And it is by his blood that we are clean. And Lord, we pray that you will help us to go on like Christ, uh, that the fruit of the Spirit will abound in us as individuals, but also as a congregation here, that we will be united in Christ. He is our refuge, he is our rock, he is our foundation. And we pray that we will be reminded of these things. And that we will uh, continue to follow him in the way which he leads us, as he is head of the flock. Preserve us, God, we pray, from uh, temptation from the world around us. Uh, Pray that you will, again, uh, help us to uh, flee from the, the devil and his practices to try and ensnare us into sin and temptation. Again, Lord, we know you have sent a helper to, uh, in, ta- in such times as that to resist and to flee from him. And your word is a powerful sword used to pierce the, what are the, the false and fleeting promises of the pleasures of sin. And we know that is not the case. So help us, Lord, as we put to death sin in our day-to-day lives. Lord, we give thanks that we are gathered here as, as your congregation, as a family. Uh, we pray for those who are not able to be with us today. We're mindful of those who, because of ill health, are not able to be in your presence, but may be able to join from uh, online. Uh, we give thanks for that. Uh, and we pray that your spirit will minister to them in their need. And also that you will help those who are in pain or in suffering whether that be physically or mentally or spiritually, Lord. You are the great physician. You heal all diseases and pains. And we know that if we come before you and we ask in faith, Lord, that uh, it is within your power to heal. And Lord, we know that you send sometimes times, whether it be illness or trials or testing, uh, and we know how painful they can be. Uh, But Lord, we know that... Through these things you teach us perseverance, that you, uh, your spirit does not leave us uh, alone by ourselves in our own strength, but rather we learn to lean on you and to, to trust in your strength. So we pray that that will be renewed for anyone who is feeling that this morning. We pray for those also who are feeling loss of loved ones, whether that be recent, uh, and we know we have lost Uh, many dear to us recently but also uh, from even years ago we know that the pain does not go away uh, simply with time 
but rather uh, that can increase our 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 desire to uh, have our our loved ones uh, with us and back with us but we know that that's not uh, possible Lord but we are thankful for those who have lived a faithful and fruitful life uh, as followers of you and are their examples in that um, great hall of fame which we read in Hebrews 11 and which continue into your church invisible uh, both in this generation, generations past and in generations to come all speaking to uh, the glory that is found uh, in trusting in Christ and having an eternal home uh, a place where the f- which uh, Christ himself has gone to prepare for each one of his people we pray, Lord, for those who are uh, dear to us as well, and we, we continue to remember the Rennick family, and we pray, Lord, that you will be with them and continue to help them at these, uh, this difficult time. And we pray, Lord, that you will uh, be a blessing to them. We pray, Lord, as we come to worship you today, as we come to hear from uh, our brother, uh, Pastor Alex from Moldova, uh, we give thanks, Lord, that you have brought them here safely, uh, and we pray, Lord, that you will bless the word which he is to bring to us uh, and we are mindful especially of the church in Moldova and in Eastern Europe and especially at this time in Ukraine and Russia and all that area of conflict uh, where we it's perhaps not as uh, visible on the news as, as it once was but we know daily uh, there is conflict, there is fighting, there is killing and Lord we pray that you will bring an end to this conflict, that you will bring peace uh, that you will intervene in in, uh, in the sovereign way in which you can, and we call upon you to uh, to end this, Lord, if it is your will to uh, to bring this to an end. Uh, but we pray for your church, especially in these areas where they face persecution and threat on a daily basis. And we pray, Lord, that you will surround them with your comfort, that you will protect them and guard them for uh, the forces of this world and even the forces uh, of darkness will not prevail against your church, but rather uh, your church will always prevail uh, until uh, eternity, Lord, where you will have a new creation and the new Jerusalem. And we will come before uh, Christ as even the light of life itself. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with us now in the service as we continue to sing your praise and as we read your word. Uh, May you speak to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Uh, It doesn't matter which uh, man is in this pulpit, but uh, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit accompanies the word, that the truth will be planted into our hearts, uh, that it will be transforming in our lives. We know that all your scripture, which is God-breathed, uh, is able to teach us, to rebuke us, to train us in righteousness. And that is our desire as, as your people here, that all will be done to the glory of your name. Uh, forgive us now, we pray, and be with us, uh, before us, uh, in all that we do, and especially as we worship you and sing your word, and all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so just something for the, the, the young folk this morning. Um, I'd mentioned at the start that we have some guests and you may have been listening where they're from. Uh, but I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions about a couple of flags. So does if we have the first one up, I'll start with something easy. What flag is that? Scotland. Yes, thank you. So it's the Scotland flag. So I said I'd start with an easy one. Um, the next one's a little bit harder and no answers from this side of the the church. Can we have the next one? Uh, 
What flag is <laughs> You had a clue there. Um, that is the flag of uh, Moldova. Now, these two flags have uh, something in common. Uh, although flags are important, flags can tell uh, which countries are different from each other, uh, which nations are different from each other, and they each symbolise different things. And uh, if we can have the next slide up, we have the two of them beside each other. Now, there's a sign or a symbol in both of these flags which are in common with each other. I wonder if anyone can spot that. Is there anything that's in these two flags? What do you think? Can anybody see something? Even the adults. wonder if they can spot it. What do you think? Cross. The cross. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So we have the, the saltire, which is a cro- the white cross. And then if you look in Moldova, there's an eagle there. And in its beak, you see a cross as well. And the Moldova flag, yes. Uh, and it's important, uh, the cross, for many reasons, but for Christians especially, the cross is a very important sign or symbol, as it always points us towards Jesus and what he did for us. And Jesus died on a cross. It wasn't like the crosses there. You know, one is, uh, appears to be like a, a gold cross in the Moldova flag. Um, and, what, and the St. Andrew's flag is, is different as well, deliberately, to be different to the, the, the cross of Christ. But for Christians all around the world, no matter what nation you belong to, people recognize the cross and its importance because of what happened there. And that is, the cross is where Jesus died for our sins and where we can find forgiveness for our sins if we ask him. And if we can do that by uh, saying uh, a prayer to Jesus and asking us uh, and asking Him to forgive us for our sins. So next time you see, well, you see the Scotland flag a lot. Uh, if you see the Moldovan flag, uh, uh, you'll remember the common between the two of them is the cross. But remember, between all Christians, no matter what nation, uh, the cross of Christ that Jesus unites us all. And there's something very special in our identity as Christians and that we are united by Jesus uh, no matter what language we speak, what nation we're from, what family we're from, what our background is, that in Christ we are all one. Okay, we'll uh, move on now to our reading. Uh, it's not it's usually a thing at this point, but we're going to go on to our reading. Uh, and if those who are needing to go out to crash can, can leave just now. Uh, and our reading is from Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and we'll read the, the full passage here. Uh, and after I've read, I'm going to invite Pastor Alex to come up. Uh, he's going to give a, a short couple minutes just about uh, himself and, and uh, uh, his family and the church in Moldova. And then he's going to preach to us from this passage. Uh, but let's start and let's hear the word of God. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Christ. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he, that is Jesus, told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. 
Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And his father divided this property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Bring bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked them what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came... Who had devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him. Son. You are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead. And is alive. He was lost. And is found. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his holy word. Uh, So we're going to sing again before uh, I invite Pastor Alex up. So we'll sing from Psalm 32. Uh, It's Psalm 32, and it's uh, from the beginning of the psalm. 
at verse 1, how blessed the one who has received forgiveness for his sin, whose sins are covered from God's face, whose debt is cancelled in God's grace. There's no deceit in him. So we'll sing uh, verses 1 to 7 and we'll stand to sing to God's praise.
should have said earlier, sorry, I should have introduced everybody rather than just <laughs> Pastor Alex. Uh, but uh, Alex, you'll, you'll introduce uh, your family and Mihai when you come up, is that okay? And then <laughs> uh, preach to us from God's Word. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, we are very grateful to be uh, among you today. Um, actually, this is my first time in Scotland, so only good impressions so far. Um, I am uh, together with my family, my wife Nina and uh, our two boys, uh, Theo and Gabby. And uh, together with us, uh, we traveled from Rugby, England, uh, to here with our friend and brother, Mihai. He's also from uh, Moldova, uh, from a, a little town called Nisporen. Um, we are uh, sending our greetings from our church in Nisporen, uh, Holy Trinity Church. Uh, we are very happy that uh, at last we could uh, unite our um, um, our hearts in a more physical way, so to speak. Um, and um, we are also very glad and very thankful for, uh, uh, for the congregations in Scotland and for their help and support, uh, not only uh, uh, financial support, which is big and huge, um, but also the, the prayers. Um, we appreciate all the prayers. Uh, I think when you don't have anything else, um, that's when you realize that the, the prayer is the most important thing and the most valuable. Uh, so we are very grateful for, uh, for the support. Um, um, more of the support that uh, you sent the congregation from here and, uh, and other congregations from, from Scotland uh, was used for the um, uh, Ukrainian refugees uh, back home. So we were able to, to buy food for them. We were able to uh, buy hygienic uh, supplies, uh, both uh, in Isporen and in Kishinev, what's, uh, that's the capital of Moldova. And uh, also uh, lots of the supplies and food went to Ukraine uh, to some of the churches. And they were distributing uh, the, the food and also they shared the gospel uh, with them. Uh, so this is a, a very good uh, thing we could do together uh, for the glory of God. Uh, and we uh, are very, very grateful for it. Um, this morning, uh, I'd like to share with you some thoughts about um, the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, as you may know, the Lord Jesus Christ was the master uh, storyteller. He knew what to tell, when to tell it, and how to tell it. So um, the people who were listening would benefit from it. His stories were actually analogies clarifying spiritual truth and also spiritual significance relating to the kingdom of God and salvation. Um, commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son, in reality this is a parable of two rebellious sons and about their loving and gracious father. Since uh, the Bible is a Near Eastern book, uh, its truths are presented um, in a cultural setting very different uh, from our own. 
So when we read uh, the three parables in Luke 15, we should read with that in mind. Uh, as we had read earlier, the, um, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son are actually Jesus' response to some of the accusations made by his adversaries, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, so the scribes and the Pharisees actually hated him for confronting uh, their falsehood, for exposing their self-righteous hypocrisy. The story revolves around three main characters, as we have read, uh, the younger son, the father, and the older son, and how they acted in a culture where um, a primary thing was um, to seek honor and avoid shame. And um, the parable actually focuses on the first part, on the younger son. And as we have read, Jesus said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. The common title of the story, the uh, parable of the prodigal son, implies that the parable is primarily uh, focused or about the younger son. But what's interesting, it's until the end that we realize it's actually focused on the older son and uh, what he has done. The younger son at the beginning of the parable kind of um, set in motion the chain of events that led to his older son or older brother's reaction and the indictment of Jesus' listeners. As we know, the word prodigal is uh, actually an old term that describes a spendthrift, a person who is uh, recklessly wasteful and self-indulgent. The way that the younger son requested his half of the estate, his half of the property, it was actually an outrageous and unheard of request for a son to make to his father. Because it was uh, extremely disrespectful and a lack of love and gratitude to the one who gave him everything. The scribes and Pharisees uh, listening to this parable uh, would have considered, considered it uh, shameful and uh, also an unacceptable uh, behavior. And a huge violation also of the fifth commandment, which is honor thy father and thy mother. So for a son to say such a thing to his father was tantamount to saying that he wished his father was dead, as nobody could have uh, their share of the estate until the father was still alive. And anyway, it wasn't half of the estate, it was one-third, as the older brother was uh, the firstborn in the family. But not only he wanted his half, his part of the, or share of the estate, he also was unwilling to take responsibility that came with uh, his share of the estate. The people listening to this would have expected the father to be maybe furious with his son, maybe shamed and dishonored, uh, because of his request and maybe take some disciplinary action. But what's interesting, instead of that, in a surprising uh, turn of events, 
the father granted his wish. And what's interesting also is that he uh, divided his wealth between both of his sons. And we should pay attention that the older son didn't say, I don't want it. He received it. Had the father done so of his own free will, it might have been maybe understandable. But because he uh, requested it in such a um, uh, bad manner, uh, so to speak, it was shocking for everybody else. Wasting no time, the Bible says no many days later, he gathered everything he had received together. And received together, that's from a, a Greek word which has the connotation of turning everything into cash. It's very difficult to roam about Scotland or the whole UK with your estate. It's easier if you, ha if, if you have cash in your pocket, easier to spend. So he has done that. As if it were not bad enough that he dishonored his father, he ignored his responsibilities, and he set off on a wasteful course uh, of sinful pleasure. Then he traveled, the Bible says, to a distant country, which meant the Gentile region. And this symbolizes, his action symbolizes the foolishness of a sinner trying to flee away from God, to whom he does not want to be answerable. And I think nobody wants to be answerable to anybody. At least I do. And people have a problem with being answerable to God Almighty. So the younger son squandered his estate with loose living. And what's interesting is that his friends had no more use for him when he had no cash, when he had spent everything. And the Bible says a severe famine occurred in that country. And famine was actually all too common in the, in the ancient world. Something that maybe we are not familiar now. And for the first time, the Bible says, he began to be impoverished. He did not know what it's like to feel hungry. He did not know what it's like to, I don't know, maybe um, sleep without a roof above your head. He didn't know any need. He had everything. Because his, uh, his family had uh, the slaves, so you could just snap your fingers and everything you wish for is here. Yet despite his um, circumstances, he was not yet ready to humble himself. Kind of he is um, way down, he understands that he has some needs, he understands that maybe it's good for him to come back, but his pride doesn't let him. He is not ready to humble himself, he is not ready to return home, he is not ready to seek restoration and to face the consequences uh, of his shameful behavior. So the Bible says he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed swine. And for a Jewish man in that culture to go in a Gentile region and feed swine was uh, the most degrading occupations imaginable, because they considered the swine as unclean animals. 
they not only didn't eat them, but they didn't have anything to do with them. And that, w that wasn't uh, a very good occupation. So he was a beggar, and like many beggars all over the world, he latched on to that man like glue. And perhaps that man, without seeing any possibility of getting rid of him, he just sent him to feed his wine, but probably without any intention of paying him anything. So in this image we can see that to sin against God is actually to rebel against his fatherhood, disdain his honor and respect, and reject his will. Thus unrepentant sinners avoid all responsibility and accountability to God. They deny him his place, they wish that he did not exist, and they dishonor him. They take their, his gifts and uh, squander them in life of self-indulgence and unrestrained lust. As a result, the sinners find themselves spiritually bankrupt. So he decided to get up at this point when, realized, when he realized there is no other choice. And I think that's most of the time when we realize that we don't have any other choice than to pray to God. At this point, he decided to get up and to go to his father. And he hoped at least his father to treat him as he treats his servants, which is a good way in their home. And with that in mind, the younger son rehearsed a brief confession to offer when he arrived home. He would say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Now, listening to this, the scribes and the Pharisees would have, would have argued that he needed to confess, that he needed to repent, that he needed to be humiliated and shamed, and perhaps receive forgiveness and mercy in time, but only after making full restitution. Because in their thinking, people earn their way back from shame. They're not just forgiven. They earn it. And the younger son realizes there is no one to turn to except for the father. Thus, if we look at the first two parables and the third parable, what is uh, very uh, different from it is that in the third parable, there's the repentance the repentance is the sinner's part in the process of being restored to God. And there is no gospel, there is no true gospel apart from it. The repentance is God's means to be reconciled with Him. And the parable focuses further on the Father. Jesus said that His Father saw Him from afar. He saw him, indicated that he had been waiting, that he had been suffering and watching for his son. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees would have expected that if the son did return, maybe the father would receive him. But after a while, maybe he would live somewhere near, but not see his face. And maybe, after a while, he would grant his son uh, a cold reception 
just to make sure that he understands what he has done. All of that actually was consistent with the rabbi's teaching that repentance was not a means to salvation, but repentance in their thinking was a good work performed by sinners in which you earn God's forgiveness. So the details of the story convey that the father took the shame upon himself and reconciled um, his father, gave his, uh, reconciled his, his son and gave the full honor of sonship. What's very interesting is that Middle Eastern noblemen do not run, they didn't run then. Uh, because running necessitated gathering up the robes which were and uh, men and women alike. So because they would um, uh, take the robes, uh, then you could expose your legs, which was considered very shameful. And now everybody would, would, uh, would understand, would, would uh, see the son, and then the son would be shamed. But because the father ran to him, and he took his robes, all the eyes were on his father, and not on him. All the shame is on the father. Everybody is shocked. And this is a very nice picture that we see in Jesus Christ. He took our shame. So that we are not ashamed. That's why Apostle Paul says uh, we should not be, the, be ashamed of uh, the gospel. Now they meet at last. And the younger son left out the last crucial phase, the, um, the confession that he made up. Because he would ask forgiveness and then he would say, make me as one of your hired men. Yet he does not say it here. Why? Because there was no need to work to earn restoration and reconciliation. There is no need to work to earn God's forgiveness. If we work to, God, to earn God's forgiveness, then Christ died in vain. Then the father gives him the robe which belonged to the patriarch, gives him the ring which signified the father's bestowing of privileges and rights and authority on his son. Then he gives him sandals, not usually worn by slaves, but by the family. Everything that his son now has, everybody knows that he is a fully restored son in the family of his father. And the parable ends with an emphasis on the older son. What's very interesting here is some um, have argued that the older son represents the Christians. The older son represents the one that remained in church. The older son represents the ones that are righteous people. Instead, or in reality, however, he represents the legalists. The legalists in the form of scribes and the Pharisees. When he comes from the field, he was not in the loop uh, regarding the party. Even though the responsibility of planning, so for planning the, the party, uh, should have fallen on him, the firstborn. But he doesn't know anything about it. He doesn't have any relationship with his father 
although he stayed at home. In terms of his relationship to his family, he was metaphorically and uh, literally far away in a field with no connections. Very interesting that for years that older rebel had managed to conceal his true feelings. He managed outwardly to fool everybody around. All along he had been wicked like his brother, but only inwardly and outwardly, like his younger brother. But this event exposed, exposed his real attitude, because he could not rejoice over the recovery of his younger son. He didn't see it as a, as a good news. The younger brother failed to understand unmerited favor. He failed to understand free forgiveness and deliverance from shame. So the older son was actually a hypocritical legalist, doing what was expected of him outwardly on the outside, but inwardly filled with different sins, such as bitterness, hatred, jealousy, anger, something that we don't see when we look at each other. His father came out and began pleading with him to come to the celebration. The father's action here symbolized God in Jesus Christ who would plead with sinners to come to salvation. Come. But the way he reacted was even worse than the way um, the younger son treated his father at the beginning. Because the younger son, when he want, wanted his share of the estate, he just said, Father, give me my share. But the one who stayed at home, the one who was a, a, a very uh, well-behaved son and brother, he said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you. If we remember, honor was what, what, uh, what it was all about in, in, uh, in that world, in that culture. And he didn't say, Father. He didn't even call him by his name, but he said, Look, like you're talking to nobody. Look, listen. I have been serving you. And the word in Greek for serving here is, uh, or has a connotation, serve as a slave. The many years he was working under his father, he had seen that as nothing but slavery. He didn't enjoy it. He didn't do anything that would please his father. He did it just for himself and to be righteous in his own eyes. There was no love or respect for his father. He lived under the illusion that he had never neglected any of his father's commands. And that's very hard for me to believe. Everybody, everyone sins and everyone, even as a child, uh, does not listen to his parents. There's no, there's no one person who can say, I never done anything wrong, where I listened, I obeyed my parents 100%. Maybe I'm a bit skeptical, but I can't believe it. Yet, he 
he in his own eyes he sees it he never neglected any of his father's commands when listening to this they would have expected his father maybe to slap his son across the face for such arrogance for his outburst instead he gives his son his older son uh, the same courtesy the same love and compassion as the first son he reached out to him with the same compassion love and mercy so the younger son here uh, symbolizes those who seek God's salvation by grace whereas the older son those who seek salvation by works yet there is no salvation by works it's something that we build it maybe in our heads and we try to earn his forgiveness and enter his kingdom so the invitation today to be part of the great um, celebratory banquet is still open to all and it doesn't matter if you are an open sinner like the prodigal son or maybe uh, a secret one like the elder brother or someone with characteristics from each type if you are still uh, estranged from God Christ urges you to acknowledge your guilt admit your own spiritual poverty embrace your heavenly father and be reconciled to him Amen let us stand for the prayer dear heavenly father we thank you for this morning we thank you for life we thank you for the air that we breathe we thank you for our families we thank you for everything that you give us in your providence and especially we thank you for your word Lord Jesus thank you that we have the word in our own language we can read it we can understand it um, through your Holy Spirit thank you for the truths that we've seen in the parable of the prodigal son help us understand more of it help us be the ones who don't seek salvation by works help us understand and see that we have salvation only through faith in Jesus Christ help us to understand and to admit our own guilt and our spiritual poverty and come to you in repentance and we know dear Lord that you are the, you are the one who can and will forgive us thank you so much for the time that we um, spend here together in the Lord's day it's a blessed day blessed by you Thank you so much. Please uh, grant us your peace, grant us your joy, and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Alex. We'll conclude our service by singing to God's praise in... Psalm 130 Psalm 130 I will sing the whole psalm Lord from the depths to thee I cried My voice Lord do thou hear 
and to my supplications voice give an attentive ear. We'll sing the whole psalm to God's praise and uh, afterwards, uh, Douglas McKenna, would you come and give the benediction please at the close of service. Thank you. Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, rest upon, remain with you, and with all whom you 